Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for GWBC Radio's Open for Business. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of GWBC Open for Business, and this is going to be a good one. Today, we have with us Jill Rose with Perceptive Recruiting. Welcome, Jill. Thank you, Lee. Nice to be here. Well, before we get too far into things, tell us about Perceptive Recruiting. How are you serving folks? Sure. Well, Perceptive Recruiting is a technology staffing company which provides contract and permanent placement of both IT and engineering professionals. We have over 20 years of specialized recruiting experience and combined with our video technology, it enables our hiring managers for our clients to make important decisions quickly. We recruit on technology jobs that many companies find challenging, but high-tech hiring managers need. So our specialty, um, we use technology to leverage our expertise in identifying both culturally compatible professionals and skilled professionals for our clients. We use a, um, a candidate qualification package, which provides a professional assessment of the candidate, the candidate's resume, and video interview footage, which allows managers to quickly identify the right candidates. And by sending the top candidates within five business days, the time to fill on these jobs is significantly reduced. And that's where our value comes in. And because of our corporate internal recruiting backgrounds, we become trusted partners to human resource departments and hiring managers. And we use those relationships to develop a deep understanding of their business. So eventually we become long-term trusted partners. And then by providing concierge service to our candidates, we maintain close relationships with them during the interview cycle and post-interview date to ensure that our client's success in closing the deal and retaining them. So our HR backgrounds allow us to assist companies in writing job descriptions, offer letter compliance, and other HR-related activities. So perceptive recruiting is more than just a provider of people. We serve our clients with integrity, leveraging our experience, our people, and technology to help them achieve their goals quickly. Now, what's your backstory? How'd you get in this line of work? Well, interestingly enough, um, I have a degree from Michigan State in hospitality management and ran hotels and restaurants at the beginning of my career. And at one point, um, I worked for a national restaurant company, and they asked me be to become a regional human resource manager, managing 20 or I'm sorry, 2,200 management positions on the East Coast. And that um, kind of took my career in restaurant operations to the HR side. And, um, and then I've just followed that path since. Um, once I got my HR feet, so to speak, um, I pivoted into technology about 25 years ago, and I've just stayed on that track. So now your firm specializes in IT, uh, but do you do other kind of um, professions or other specialties, or is it just kind of primarily focused on IT? It's focused on information technology, and because of the success that we've had with um, many manufacturing companies in that space, they also asked us to um, help them on engineering jobs. So now we're really a cross between information technology and professional engineering, like mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, and those types of professionals. Now, I, um, I like to ask people in your uh, field what does it take to get on your radar? Like, how can a candidate, what what should a candidate be doing in order for you to kind of notice them and pay attention and maybe open up an opportunity for them? What are some things that you recommend them doing to kind of stand out? Well, for one thing, they have to have an excellent resume, as you can imagine. Um, 
the field nowadays is highly, highly competitive, and certainly education plays a big a big piece in um, in technology today. Advanced education, certifications, things like that. So they really, if you're in the technology space, you have to stay current. Um, it's never it's never the type of thing where you get your degree, you learn it, and then you just go to work for the rest of your life. Technology is evolving every year. It's different. It's new. Um, it's exciting, but you have to constantly train and you have to be ahead of the curve. So having um, continuous education, continuous training certifications is excellent. You should keep your resume up to date constantly um, because you never know when an opportunity is going to land at your feet that you might want to explore. Now, um, I know some of your work you do with women in technology. Can you talk about how that came about? Yeah. So, um, you know, as a recruiter in a community, um, you know, your job is to get out, it's to learn, it's to be, it's to network with people in the community. Um, And so 20 years ago when I started in staffing, because I also had a background where I was internal in HR departments um, as a recruiter for software companies and things like that. When I started in staffing 20 years ago, um, I would attend networking groups that were probably 95% men. But there was always a handful of us women that showed up every month to learn about different technologies, different things that were going on in our field. And um, we just always stayed after uh, to talk about things that were important to us that, you know, men go to a meeting and typically, you know, meetings over, they go back to work and, you know, we would stay and we'd be interested in how's your job going or, you know, how are your kids or what are the challenges you're facing? Anything I can help you with. And we, we started our own group from there. Um, so with a handful of people, we started the Upstate Women in Technology group in Greenville, South Carolina. And 20 years later, the group still exists. We have over 400 women on our email list. Um, we get together once a month with a guest speaker that provides training, um, topics of interest, whether it be um, IT, whether it be um, women-related issues, or it could be professional development. So we really encourage um, our community, uh, companies that that are in any industry here to send women to lunch. It costs, you know, 20 bucks. They have a great sit down lunch and they get a guest speaker. So it's really additional education for them. But I've always had a volunteer spirit in the community. And um, when that group was started, I just, I took it and I ran with it. And so I've been doing it ever since then. And, and, you know, a lot of things happen in these meetings. People find jobs, people um, help other people, people give other women support in their careers. Um, and there's just all kinds of great things that come out of that group. And I, I'm, I'm really happy to say that um, it's lasted this long and it's a meaningful part of the community. Now, um, you mentioned that when you started, there was only a handful of women in the technology roles. Is that still the case? Or are you making some progress in that area? Oh, certainly there's progress being made. Yes. Lots of women are getting technology degrees, they're entering the technology fields. Of course, you have STEM and STEAM and um, you know all these other types of things that go on in the community to, do, to get younger girls interested in science. Um, so we're seeing the effects of that. Um, and certainly women have always been a part. They just, they just may not have been noticed and certainly in the minority, but it's, um, you know, the numbers are coming up, but I can't say that you know, there's an equal split of men and women. It's still very male dominated but it's definitely getting better. Now, does your group do anything uh, for young women, uh, you know, maybe in high school or college age to give them kind of a path and to show them some role models in these roles? There's a lot of other groups that do that. And so for us, we stay focused on the people that are already in their careers um, because there's 
tons of other things that deal with the STEM and STEAM type of stuff for the younger um, women. Um, but, you know, if you're in college, um, certainly the colleges around here know about the group. Um, and sometimes we do get college people coming, um, but generally are very focused on their, um, you know, their education and not so much on networking in the community. But it's a great place to meet other women, regardless of the industry that you're in, because even if you're in an industry where it's not quote unquote high tech, you still have to know technology. Every industry is, um, you know, surrounded by technology and technology keeps changing. And we were all in just regular Microsoft Outlook. Now we're in Office 365. And now with COVID, we're doing Microsoft Team um, videos to connect with everybody. So, uh, and that just, that's just an, you know, an example of current technology that changes for everyone in business. And last month, the Upstate Women in Technology Group, we did a training seminar on how to use Microsoft Teams effectively. So we try to stay current on, you know, what, what, what the women need in the community and, you know, take their um, suggestions and then bring in guest speakers for that. Now, I think an, also an advantage and a benefit of that group is that's probably a safe place to share some things. Maybe they would be hesitant to go to a male appear at their company and ask a question about they can go there and find the answer. Yes. Yes. And I think, I think women um, with other women are very, very supportive of other things other than work. And that's why this group has thrived because, you know, you can come to the, and we do, by the way, we do have men come to our meetings. They are allowed. <laughs> so um, and we do have men guest speakers, but, you know, a lot of times we have women that are caregivers for um, their kids and caregivers for their parents. And, you know, people at work aren't going to ask them how they're managing all that, but we sure do. And so I think we're a good, um, you know, even just emotional support system. Now, how has your um, kind of industry changed because of COVID or has it changed? Has this impacted how you kind of um, do what you do? Or, I mean, I'm sure a lot of yeah. your workers work remotely all the time, but now I guess more and more people are doing that. Absolutely. So when COVID came in March, um, what we saw was the majority of our clients all of a sudden had to deploy hundreds or thousands of people to their homes and they weren't expecting it, right? It's not like they had a thousand computers just sitting in a closet somewhere that, or laptops that they all of a sudden, you know, could deploy their workers to home. And that, of course, affects networks and it affects security and it affects so many different things. So the people on the infrastructure side really had to, um, you know, work like round the clock to get this workforce deployed to home. And so we saw the clients go through that. That took sometimes up to a month or two. Um, and, um, and now what we're seeing is clients are really deciding what they're going to do in 2021 when hopefully, you know, COVID is more under control if they're going to have a hybrid um, situation where they're going to be um, their employees are allowed to work from home as well as come in the office. I think a lot of them still want to see people on occasion. Um, and then there's others that are like, wow, our productivity is just as good as it was. And so we're okay with everybody being 100% remote, which I think is going to have a significant impact on office space too coming up. Oh, you got that right. That is That industry is uh, looking like it's going to change pretty rapidly. Without a doubt. I mean, I've had three offices since I've owned my business in Greenville in the last six and a half years. And it was really hard to find office space for a smaller company that didn't, you know, need office space for a thousand people. Um, and every, every time my lease would expire and I'd go to look, it would take me a long time, but I think that we're going to see that change. Um, I went remote for two months, two and a half months with my staff and we're back in the office now. 
Um, so, you know, that could potentially be an option for me as well, but I really like having an office and I really like seeing my employees every day and I really like to train and mentor them. And that's very difficult to do, you know, for me anyway, um, just over a zoom interview or a zoom meeting. Right. Yeah. That's a balance that a lot of companies are kind of working their way through. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, um, in terms of your customers, do you specialize in a certain area? You, you know, you mentioned I, um, technology is now in everybody's business, but are there certain industries that are better fit for you uh, than others? Or is, are you kind of industry agnostic? And if they need somebody with an IT background, then you can find them somebody. Well, we really are industry agnostic because we're specialists in information technology and that's that's our expertise. And so that that can translate in any business. Um, But we seem to do a lot of work in manufacturing, in financial services companies, in insurance companies, um, in software development companies. Um, And it could be just about any other company as well. Um, And we work with some small companies, mid-size and some global companies as well. Now, is the pain they're having that they need somebody and they're having a difficult time filling a position and they they go, you know what, we got to call the perceptive recruiting folks because they can help uh, help me with that? Like, what is the pain that they're having where they typically engage with you? That's a great question. Um, So a lot of our clients tell us the reason why they work with us is that they're frustrated with the number of unqualified applicants they receive if they post their jobs. Um, and it leaves them very little time to do their jobs. If you're an HR professional and you're, um, you know, doing multiple things, not just recruiting, it can kill your productivity if you have to look at, you know, 100 people that apply to a job when five are ultimately somebody that you might consider. So I think that um, the, and and I know it from my side, um, we get a lot of unqualified applicants that have no business applying to jobs. And um, so that that is one reason why they call us. Another reason is, Sometimes HR, HR professionals are just not trained on the technology side, especially the way technology is evolving now with cloud technology and artificial intelligence and things like that. And so they are just overwhelmed in identifying proper candidates for their hiring managers. And so they call us to step in as like an additional arm to their HR department. Um, and then sometimes the hiring managers just you know, they are overwhelmed as well. And they just need to know that they can come in in the morning, open their inbox, review candidates that, you know, three or four of them that we send with video interview footage, they can spend 15 minutes looking at that and quickly identify, yeah, these are people we really want to talk to, because we're really doing all of that work, that busy work that they don't have time to do. And so ultimately, it's going to save them time. And in high tech, time is, is definitely money, because they've got a lot of projects on their plates. And especially if you're in, well, any industry, but let's take the financial services industry. Um, You know, it's all about money and it's all about accuracy and security. And they don't have time to be going through resumes. That's that's sort of a waste of their, um, you know, their expertise. So that's what we do. And then um, in in the world that you're recruiting in, isn't there like kind of zero percent unemployment? Like you're you're trying to find people that already are working somewhere, right? Yes, yes, super competitive, super competitive. And um, that's the other thing is that sometimes it takes companies a very long time to get through the interview process. By the time they review candidates, do a phone screen, set them up for you know a phone or video interview, get them on site, we take care of all that for them. Um, and so speed, uh, some of these candidates are on 
on the market and off in two weeks. And if you can't adjust your interview process to meet the needs of people coming and going so quickly, then ultimately you're never going to find the best candidates because they're not on the market long. Um, so it's super competitive. Um, you know, salaries are super competitive. And um, we, you know, encourage our clients to think about, how, you know, our job is to be not only an extension of your HR department, but your sales staff. We have to sell our clients to the candidate market out there. And so if, um, if we do our job right and we get an interested candidate for our client, they have to do their job now and they have to sell their company. And they, they have to know why, you know, why somebody wants to come and work for them. So we all talk about that. We get to know our clients really well um, and really become an extension of them. So that way they can stay current and stay, um, you know, on the competitive edge with the way the market is. And I would imagine that some of those conversations you're having with leadership and explaining the importance of that is really that kind of consulting is invaluable that you become a trusted advisor, a trusted partner. It's not this vendor that's just kind of finding, filling slots. Exactly. And I think because of, you know, my background being internal in an HR department um, with several companies, I understand. I mean, I was trained, um, you know, this may date me, but I was trained in traditional recruiting techniques. This is before, you know, you had, um, let's hire um, someone and teach them to do a keyword search and then send your client over six to 10 resumes that may or may not be a fit. I, I was trained in classical recruiting, full, you know, grounded interviews and trying to decide if this person is worth being an employee for my company, my internal company. Um, and so I've translated that in business is that my clients are like, if, if I work internally in their HR departments and I'm looking at these candidates, not only for their technical skill set, but also are they going to be a good employee? Because, you know, I get paid to do a job to find them a long term employee or contractor that's going to fit technically and culturally. And so that does take a lot of questions and a lot of evaluation and analysis to make sure that this is going to be the right fit for the right client. Right. And culture is so important. It can't be they just because they know a software doesn't mean they're going to fit in with the culture of the company. And if it's not a good fit, it doesn't matter if they know the software or not. Exactly. So you could have a customer that um, is suit and tie, although nobody's really that way anymore. Um, but like 10 years ago, uh, let's say they were suit and tie and, you know, you get a guy that uh, or a woman that's, um, you know, just not used to that kind of culture where it's really buttoned down and everybody sits at a desk and they don't talk, uh, uber, uber professional, like that kind of thing. Um, you can't send someone in that's not going to match that because ultimately the communication is not going to be there between the people. And that's so important. So you do have to really know the culture of your, your clients. Um, you have to go visit their office and get a good feel for what, what it's like there, you know, um, and you see it. Sometimes you just have to feel it. And that's how you do your best recruiting. Now, you um, believe in association so much, you kind of started an association organization that helps uh, women in technology. Um, tell us about GWBC. How did you get involved with them? And why, what was kind of your reason for getting involved with that group? Well, ultimately, the reason why I started with that was, um, you know, I think it's valuable to have a women-owned certification because, again, I'm in a field that's dominated by men. And there are organizations that um, if they're federal contracting or even just they have an their own diversity um, initiatives internally, that they want to work with a diverse uh, vendor 
um, like a woman-owned business or a minority-owned business. And so I just thought it was important so that I would have that designation. I wasn't really sure what it was going to do for me, but it's really become invaluable in so many ways. Um, the first way, of course, is by meeting other women business owners. Um, you know, I, I consider myself to be an accidental entrepreneur. I really never started out to own a business. It just happened that I decided one day that, you know, it was time for me to do that. And um, so you can meet other like people and, you know, you have then a network of people that understand what it's like to be a small business owner because there's nothing like it. And, um, and I don't, there's no one in my family that's a small business owner. So I could never go to any of my relatives and say, hey, do you know what it's like to, you know, run a P&L or do you know what it's like to do, to do this and that and payroll, you know, hundreds of thousands of people every week um, or in, in, in salary anyway. Um, and then the other thing is that you can be connected to, you know, businesses that value your uh, women-owned certification. And so that gives you access, access to larger companies that may have a, a significant revenue spend for minority and, and women-owned businesses like myself. And so otherwise you'd have no access to that. And so that, that is a wonderful thing. Now, has that access helped you get business? Yes, I have. I have connected with a number of women um, in the upstate of South Carolina that then connected me to people that, um, you know, uh, needed my services, basically, even regardless of whether I was women-owned or not. Um, and so, yes, I have gotten business out of it. Um, and it's also wonderful when your clients ask you for that certification every year, every year that you get renewed. Um, because it shows that they do value having diversity in their vendor system. And um, I know that they are using it and hopefully they're getting some kind of benefit, uh, whether it's, you know, on, um, on taxes or whatever uh, it's beneficial for them to use a service like myself. Yeah. It really is a win-win for both parties. For sure. Yep. Now, if there is somebody out there that uh, is in need of IT help and they want to get a hold of you, what is the best website to learn more, maybe have a substantive conversation with you or somebody on your team? Yeah, so it's very simple. It's perceptiverecruiting.com. That's our website. Um, my phone number is on there. My email address is on there. There's a form you can fill out if you'd like to be connected. Um, and I'd love to hear from people. Um, I am on LinkedIn. The Upstate Women in Technology is on all of the social media platforms, LinkedIn, um, Facebook, you know, everything. Um, but yeah, I would love to hear from people on PerceptiveRecruiting.com. Well, congratulations on all your success. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. And thank you so much. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on GWBC Open for Business.